If you want to get somebody's attention, just tell them a great story. Hi, this is your host, Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. We're swapping coasts this morning. We're on the move. Last week, we brought you a story from California. This week, we go to Florida for the story of a woman who has spent her career as an advocate for soldiers, veterans, and their families. Through her work with a nationally recognized nonprofit, she founded called Heartillery Group. Their slogan is so simple, love and gratitude for those who serve. The proud wife of a former United States Army captain who served two tours in Afghanistan and one in Kuwait, she knows only too well the toll a deployment takes, not just on our troops, but on their families. And then there are our veterans who we must never forget and to whom we owe so much. This is noble work, and I couldn't wait to introduce you to her. Her name is Emily Spencer, and this is her story. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Tell me a little bit about Heartillery Group and what your mission is. Our mission is to show love and gratitude for our service members and their families. So that really runs the gamut from cards and care packages, which is how we started, to providing community outsourcing and community resources for our female homeless veterans, for our military children. We really look to develop these partnerships with other organizations so that we can provide those types of services to our military as a whole. Well, Artillery Group was created by what I think you describe as a beautiful accident. Tell us about that. Yep. So Artillery Group is a play on words. I wanted it to be really cute, but really strong at the same time. So we really started by accident. My husband deployed six months after we got married. He did three back-to-back tours. And I was feeling really lonely. I didn't have any friends. We had a new house and a new dog, and I didn't really know how to be married. And I just felt kind of lost. And so it's in those moments where you can either say, I guess I can just sit here and feel bad for myself, or I can get up and do something. And I put a note out on my personal Facebook page in November of 2012, asking for cards to send overseas. And in about seven weeks, we received about 17,000 cards from 12 states. It was unbelievable, actually. And I finally got to meet my mailman who was like, this house has been empty for like a year and a half. Like, who are you and where did you come from? As people got to know me in the community, they would drop off toilet paper and toothbrushes and other, you know, hygiene products at my doorstep and at one point, my entire house was covered in cards. And so, you know, we've, we've just been growing from there. And now we're in our 10th year and we've sent over four and a half million cards and about 10,000 care packages. What an incredible story. And I'm guessing that your husband must have been pretty proud of you when all of a sudden his wife starts sending all these things to Afghanistan, right? <laughs> I was sending him cards just on my own. And I set a thousand card goal when I started it. I I just put it up on Facebook and said, I want to send a thousand cards. And I said to myself, well, if I have to write all thousand, I will, because I'm pretty goal oriented. (laughs) (laughs) But when we got those 17,000 cards, I said, oh my goodness, this is amazing. It just went off my personal page. So people had shared it all across 17 states. I remember emailing him and saying, hey, how many people are on Kandahar Airfield? And he said, I can't tell you, but a lot. And I said, okay, I'm going to send you 17,000 cards. And he said, what? (laughs) So it really was this, this beautiful coming together of a community that I made for myself. What I try to get across with Artillery Group is that we are just a group of people that come together from all over the country. I may have had the idea and I may have named this, but 
I wouldn't be here 10 years later if it wasn't for the support of hundreds of thousands of families from around the country that sit down with their kids over the holidays or on a Saturday or during the week and take a few minutes to explain gratitude and giving something to somebody that you'll never meet. It's just been a tremendous blessing for me and for my husband to know that that people appreciate our service. And I've spent the last 10 years trying to grow the suite of services that we offer to make sure that we are delivering our message to as many people that need it as possible. Well, speaking of that suite of services, walk us through some of the community-based strategic <clears throat> partnerships that you have created for Artillery Group. We were never designed to repeat or to overlap anybody else's programs or offerings. Our real job is to mobilize our supporters and mobilize the people that follow us to take action on things. So we've created a number of partnerships and a number of opportunities so that our followers can get involved. So we work really closely with Zahara Network. They work with our female homeless population. We work a lot with organizations like Hope for Veterans, who also services our female homeless population, not only here in Jacksonville, but around the country. We've had supporters who write us cards from Paramount Pictures, from Danker Furniture Companies, from Mission Barbecue. We've had Texas A&M University. We've had Thayer Academy in, in Braintree, Mass., where I went to high school. We've established all of these connections over the years. And certainly when you're doing things like cards, the, the elementary schools and the kindergarten programs are wonderful. Teachers love this project. Here in Jacksonville, we work really closely with organizations like Vets on Tap. Vets to Industry is another really amazing resource that has wrapped us up. It's all about creating that transparency because most of these organizations are servicing that same 1%, but they're doing it in a little bit of a different way. So it's all about trying to keep your eyes and your ears open to see what the need is and to step in to be helpful in in those needs. Now we have people that are coming to us saying, hey, do you know somebody that needs wheelchairs or do you know somebody that can build a handicap ramp or, you know, hey, do you know somebody that needs 55,000 emergency care kits? The pandemic was in full swing in 2020, and you did what you could to help our veterans during that year as well with 40,000 pounds of emergency supplies. What an undertaking. Take us through that. This was really, again, a beautiful accident. We had somebody contact us from Verizon who had gotten my name from a mutual friend and said, hey, I have 55,000 emergency care kits in warehouses that COVID is shutting down because nobody really knew how bad this pandemic was going to be. It was right in the beginning. So Verizon was shutting down all of their facilities. She called me up and said, hey, do you do you want these? And I said, all right, let me call you back. I called, I put it out through my distro and I put it out to a bunch of organizations here in Florida and also uh, up north and said, hey, I have access to these. Does anybody need them? In about two weeks, We worked with the Zahara Network on this project. We were able to place 55,000 emergency care kits across seven states in about two and a half weeks. What an incredible success story. You must also, Emily, have so many stories about soldiers abroad who have received these cards and these gift boxes. Can you tell us a few stories? I bet you've gotten some thank you notes as well. It's been such a blessing, Candy. It started as this beautiful accident, and now it's become this really wonderful message, not only for me, but for people to be able to contribute to. We've received mail over the years. One that stands out to me is, Mrs. Spencer, thank you so much for sending me these boxes. I have been deployed for seven months, and I hadn't received one piece of mail. We came back from a mission and had eight boxes from us. 
that was one of my favorite notes. And it really did strike a chord because there's some of our military that, that joined to find that camaraderie and that friendship. And they may not necessarily have the roots at home that others do. And so, you know, when you get those letters, it just really makes it worthwhile. And you just think, wow, you know, our cards do matter. Our withdrawal from Afghanistan affected so many members of the military who, like your husband, served there multiple times over 20 years. And the suicide rate among veterans skyrocketed in the months following our withdrawal. Can you put your finger on the pulse of at least how your husband is feeling about all that now, looking back in the rearview mirror? One of the pictures I sent you was of him holding a flag for our daughter on the roof of the embassy in 2017. I can tell you that my husband is extremely proud of his service. He's extremely proud of the men and women he served with. Once you serve, you always serve. He is extremely, extremely proud of the work that he was able to do over there. And he came home proud. We extend our arms around our military community. And one of the advantages of having this nonprofit is that we can kind of move into the veins of where we see there's a need. And that's why we started Military Santa, to make sure that these families were being wrapped up, not only with educational opportunities and career opportunities, but also just daily essential needs and to make their holidays a little bit brighter. You also work with Blue Star families. So for audience members who don't know what a Blue Star family is, Please tell us about it. And then, of course, the work you do together. Blue Star Families is a national organization, and they really provide services and opportunities for our military families. They empower military and veteran families by connecting them with their civilian partners and neighbors. They create very strong community mutual support systems. Well, I'm always wondering a little bit about people's background, you know, where they grew up, where they come from, and where their values came from. So can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what life was like in your house? I grew up in Milton, Massachusetts, and my house was wonderful. My childhood was very, very nice. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. We all got along. My dad traveled a lot for work, so my mom stayed home. She raised us for the most part, but my dad was out on the road building a business. Both of my parents always taught us to be grateful for the things that we have and to be able to pay that forward in ways that we could. Every time we went out, my dad would give us a dollar and we would see somebody that looked like they needed some help and we would give them a dollar and say, God bless or stay warm. And so it really was ingrained in us at a very, very young age to just stop for a minute and think about the things that you have and how can you be grateful for that and push that energy and mentality out into the communities at large. When you were growing up, who was your role model? Did you have any? I would say one of my biggest role models was my dad. I always had a very strong spirit. I was always a very independent person. I had wild ideas and big dreams. And, you know, my dad went out and built a business from the ground up from an idea that didn't exist. And he stayed with it and and grew it into a nationally successful business. And his work in philanthropy as well, and really just the humble nature that he has about the accomplishments that he's made in his life and just his generous spirit, I think is makes him one of my greatest role models. My mother, it takes a lot to raise three small kids at home. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so she taught me a lot about perseverance, a lot about strength and being strong and, and standing up for what you believe in and 
I think those two combinations have really fared me well over the years, especially with growing an organization like this, because you can relate to people and you can understand where people are coming from and what level they're on and really just kind of step in and try to provide that relief or assistance wherever it's needed. Tell us a little bit about your college experience. I know that you have a master's degree from Harvard. Where did you go undergrad and walk us through your college years? Did you know what you wanted to do with your life? I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I went to Manhattan College in Riverdale, New York, because I always wanted to be in New York City, but I knew I had a better chance of graduating school if I was outside of the city a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I always loved New York. New York is my favorite place on earth. I love the creative spirit, just the the drive and the individuality of, of the city. And I chose Manhattan College for that. I was a communications major with a minor in photography very artistic, very outspoken. I just wanted to be free to express myself however I wanted to and really kind of figure out who I was as a person. And no, I did not think that I would be married to this wonderful man or have this organization when I started it, but it really did help me find who I was and really kind of connect with myself in a really unique way to be able to be in a place like that. So That was a great experience. And certainly my communication degree helped me not only from a social aspect, but also how to position myself and market the future work that I was going to be doing. Well, having a degree from Harvard University, a master's in operation management can't hurt when you're trying to create a great (laughs) nonprofit, right? When you look back on that education from Harvard, what would you say was the most important thing you learned in your master's program? I would have to say the ability to to listen to those around you and to absorb the knowledge of the people around you is so important. It's so critical to building you further as a person, to be able to take in experiences and information from others. The sharing of information is one of the most critical things I think any educational course can offer you is just being open to absorb other people's life experiences and educational points, I think would be one of the most valuable things I took away from that program. Your nonprofit is called Hartillery Group, and it's thriving. Do you have any advice for a woman who might be listening to us today who has a dream about creating a nonprofit for herself? What advice would you give her? Never give up and never lose your sparkle. Those are the two things, because you'll hear this along the way and life gets in the way. And, you know, for me, I have two small babies. And it's easy to think about giving up. It's easy to think about, well, I don't want to do this today. Get up and get it done. Artillery group is glitter, glue, and postage. It was started on this belief of how can we make somebody smile today or feel like they're not forgotten or feel like they're included in a community larger than themselves, right? Never, ever give up on your goal, on your dream. Never let anyone take your sparkle. Have fun with it. If it's not fun anymore, then you have to reevaluate what direction you're going. So I would say, you know, find a great support system, never give up on your dream and never lose your sparkle. You know, you are also, because you founded this nonprofit, you're also an entrepreneur because, you know, it's like being a self-starter small business. What's the key to being a successful entrepreneur? You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that what you're dreaming of is possible. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I can do this. I'm going to do this. When I moved here five years ago, I had nothing. I moved artillery group from Massachusetts to Florida when my husband was recruited out of the army. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep artillery group going. 
trying to move an organization from Massachusetts to Florida is extremely difficult. And I met a couple of really key people here who wrapped me up in their love under their wings and really helped me make this thing thrive. You need to have your tribe. You need to have people that believe in you as much as you believe in yourself. Next couple of questions we ask everybody who sits where you are on this program. The first one is when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? The first thing that I do is kind of sit and think about what that really means. I usually reach out to my tribe. So if there's a challenge in your way, you have to identify it. Know that you can contact your community if you need to, and then always pivot. So there's never any obstacle that gets in my way or or our way as an organization that we don't pivot around. So I would say that you have to be adaptable. You have to be willing to to throw out the plan that you created at 6 a.m. and rotate in a new plan at 2 p.m. if you have to. What is the best piece of advice, Emily, that you've ever received? And this can be personal. It can be professional. Can you pass it along to our listeners today? A little bit of Emily wisdom here. We all have our moments as, as entrepreneurs or people that you know, have these ideas and aren't really sure where to go or if it's going to be successful. Do I keep going or do I not? And don't get frustrated. If you're frustrated right now, take five minutes, <laughs> go into a quiet room, close the door, take a couple deep breaths, and then come out of that room and figure it out. Final question. Right now in this chapter of your life, how do you define success? What does it mean to you? For me, success means that my husband came home. He is thriving. I couldn't be more proud of his service and the work that he does now. His brothers and sisters in arms, the same. I have two beautiful kids that are three and four who are healthy. My friends and family are healthy. And I have been blessed beyond measure to be able to sit at the helm of this organization and maximize the people that we're able to reach through this program. I'm extremely, extremely blessed. Emily Spencer, on behalf of our military family to yours, I always get emotional. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to tell our story. And it's just been such a tremendous blessing. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And that's the story behind her success for this week. It's my goal to introduce you to women like Emily who are doing great things with their lives. They don't ask for applause, but they sure do deserve it. To find out more about Emily's nonprofit, Hartillery Group, just go to Hartillery, I'll spell it for you, H-E-A-R-T-I-L-L-E-R-Y group.org. This is Candy O'Terry saying thank you so much for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature, just go to my website, candyoterry.com. C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Follow me on social at Candy O'Terry. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. <laughs>